Shannon Goggin grew up in small-town Maine, where she picked up the entrepreneurial bug from her relatives. Her first venture was a hot dog stand, and then she moved on to a student-run coffee business at Georgetown. The food service theme had me thinking that maybe No-Yo, her current venture, had something to do with Fro-Yo, but it really doesn't. Instead, it's an outgrowth of her experience in tech and benefits with Zenefits, where she recognized the need for a tech layer so that companies in the benefits ecosystem could do business with one another at scale. Noyo, where Shannon is co-founder and CEO, builds itself as the connections gateway for modern insurance, a complete API solution for benefits software transforming data exchange. In her spare time, Shannon enjoys reading essays about places she's lived, including Here's New York by E.B. White and Cool Gray City of Love by Gary Camilla. I'm David Williams, host of the Health Biz Podcast and president of Health Business Group a strategy consulting firm that helps companies like Noyo develop robust growth plans. Reach out to me, dwilliams at healthbusinessgroup.com, if you'd like to discuss strategy for your company. And while you're at it, please subscribe to the Health Biz Podcast on your favorite service. Well, Shannon Goggin, co-founder and CEO of Noyo, welcome to the Health Biz Podcast. Thank you for having me. Shannon, we're going to talk about Noyo a little bit later, but before we get to that, I want to talk about the things that happened in your life before uh, taking on your current role. And maybe just winding it back to childhood and just asking, you know, what was your upbringing like and any, you know, childhood influences that have stuck with you? Sure. I grew up in Portland, Maine, a town just north of Portland, Maine. And uh, had spent my whole life uh, basically on the same street. Um, two older sisters uh, and my parents, and had a you know had a really nice childhood there, but pretty pretty small town. Um, my mom was an entrepreneur, uh, as was my uncle, so I got to see growing up how they were building their companies and, you know, getting creative and things like that. So I think that definitely was an influence and, and stuck with me um, as I was thinking about what I might want to do when I when I grow up. And of course, when you're five, you don't really know yeah. what that means, but you start to see people around you and that just kind of gets absorbed into the, the way that you can look uh, at the world. Shannon, did you have a chance to work with them at all, like in any formal or informal uh, basis, or was it just something you absorbed? You know, I worked uh, for my mom for a couple of summers in high school doing uh, landscaping in the in the in the kind of yards around her offices. So not quite the apprenticeship model for how to run a business, but I did uh, I did move a lot of dirt in those days. Sounds good. Well, I know Portland is, uh, you know, I think Portland, Maine, among other things, gave the name to Portland, Oregon. Uh, but it also, they have there something that's kind of cool. They, they have a small airport, but they call it the jet port. I always thought that was pretty high tech. The international jet port because it goes to Canada. Exactly. It's probably what, <laughs> Prince Edward Isle or something like that. So Exactly. exactly. Uh, so that's good. In high school, I started working at a hot dog stand. That was my first job. And that, in a, in a way, feels sort of entrepreneurial because you run your own cart, you know? And so you're trying to figure out as customers come up to you, well, what's the best way to arrange the hot dog stand to draw people in? And how do we price appropriately to get, you know, people to buy or to tip? Or um, I, I, one of the things I learned was 
we would we would saute onions and peppers to put on top of the the hot dogs. And I learned that if I just kept them sauteing all the time, then the smell would be wafting around yeah. and people were more likely to come over. So just little things like that that were were a ton of fun um, and and I think sort of helped me figure out the you know the the test and iterate part of of entrepreneurship. I think there's a lot of things that are directly applicable. And one of the nice things with the hot dog stand is it's, you know, you don't have to explain to people what you do. They, they go, they buy it, they eat it, you get the immediate feedback, you're serving a need, uh, and so on. So it's, um, it's, a good, it's a good place to start, I would agree. Now, you didn't stick around in Maine for, uh, for your college education, although they have colleges there too. But uh, where, did you, uh, where did you head from, from there? I went to Georgetown in Washington, D.C. That was an amazing experience, you know, getting to live in a, in a bigger city, but uh, on a college campus that had a lot of great community in it and, um, and, and had a wonderful time at Georgetown. I, uh, while I was there, I worked at a coffee shop, so continued on my, um, my little managing my little cart um, and, and got to work in a, what was a student-run company on Georgetown's campus. So everyone from the you know, entry level cashier to the CEO of the company and the chairman of the board were all undergraduates. And so similarly, we got to figure out every, you know, every semester, every year, should, which coffee vendor should we work with? How should we do our pricing? Should we invest in upgrading that sink or that fridge? And um, a lot of fun and, and learned a ton about about business there as well. And, and just frankly, what it feels like to work with an amazing group of people and have fun along the way. Sounds like there's sort of like an aroma theme developing from the uh, from the cart up until the uh, the cafe. So yes, uh, very very interesting. Now I noticed a couple of things that were early in your career, and maybe some of them while you were still in school, that were kind of on the environmental front, like Govert and Sierra Club, both things that you were that you were involved in. Yeah, I um, I did an internship at the Sierra Club. I'm really interested in how you can combine how you can incentivize a bigger group of people to do you know proactive forward-looking beneficial things and and certainly the environment is an important area that is going to take the whole world to take care of and very difficult to um to create the right incentives around that so i interned at the sierra club and got to see how lobbying works and how they try to advocate for different bills and different um different things in the Senate and the House uh, while I was there. So that was really interesting. I think one of the things I learned from that was, uh, for me, I felt a little bit more, um, I felt like I could get things done a little more quickly in a business environment, mm -hmm. uh, just for me personally. And so one of the reasons, then one of the things that I've taken with me is, we're trying to build a business that creates positive change in the world while also creating a great product and a business and a great, you know, uh, financial outcome for everyone who's involved and, and being able to blend those things together is really special. So there were a few businesses that uh, you were involved with uh, after the environmental foray. Um, I noticed Monitor, Deloitte, Zenefits and Shogun, uh, which I, I didn't know Shogun was a business. I thought it was a novel or something, but the, uh, what, what, what was that uh, pathway like for you? When I graduated from Georgetown, I, I went into management consulting, which is something people often do when they don't know exactly what they want to do. And I was, I was no different. It was, uh, it was a, a 
chance to try a lot of different things and get to work with a group of really smart people. When I was at Monitor, so Monitor was a sort of boutique strategy consulting firm. I moved to New York to work there and worked with a number of, you know, Fortune 500 clients who are trying to think through where should we expand our business this year or should we invest in this business unit versus that business unit? They would hire a team of consultants to come in and run that analysis or, or do those interviews and try to make recommendations so that the management team of the company had the right things to look at when they're thinking through and making these decisions. And one of the things that I really learned there was how to be very rigorous in not just quantitative analysis, but also qualitative analysis understanding a problem, taking a lot of complex things and being able to put some structure around them and tease out, you know, what are the things that really are making the difference here? Or what are the things that are um, not relevant? Um, what's the question that we're trying to answer is often the hardest thing to solve. But if you know what question is the most important one to answer, then organizing your decision-making and your analysis around that is is a lot easier. And so that's something that I really took from there. I, I spent about four years there First part was doing more of that straight, you know, standard Fortune 500 companies analyzing that, you know, market or business unit, and then um, and then in in the kind of second phase of my time there, I, I got to do some really interesting things. I worked with um, worked on international projects, working with the government to try to figure out how to create better, um, you know, better incentives and, and business incentives in those countries. I worked for our innovation arm where we were thinking about, we were helping the Fortune 500 companies say, hey, putting our current set of products aside, what's our mission as a company and what other creative things could we be doing to further that mission? And that was really fun because it was a lot more, you know, what new businesses could this company create? And that was everything from, we did a ton of ethnographic customer research. We would drive around uh, the country and sit in people's living rooms and talk to them and just generate those new new thoughts and then go back and think about what products could they create and how does the business model back it up. That, I think, for me was the the part of my career where I thought, okay, this is I'm really enjoying this and having fun building from scratch on paper these new things. Why don't I go see if I can find a place where I can actually be part of a company that's trying to build something new and bring it to market and, and create it from the ground up. And that was the point at which I, I, I realized, hey, why don't I move out to San Francisco and go find a startup that I can yeah. work at? Because that's the whole, you know, I'm uh, as a consultant, you do a lot of, you do a lot of writing and thinking, and then you kind of hand it over to someone and then you move on to the next project. And I wanted to right. have some skin in the game and put myself on the on the hard part. It, everything you can write it really nicely on paper, but actually doing it, actually making it happen is you know, is really difficult. And that's where the um that's where the rubber hits the road, so to speak. So I moved to San Francisco and I was talking to a whole bunch of different startups trying to figure out how I could, you know, break into tech as they say, and I have a lot of thoughts on on that. The place that I landed was, uh, was Zenefits. And I didn't know at the time that much about HR software or benefits. Um, I had done a little bit of work in my consulting days for insurance companies, but it was, it was really, um, you know, very different getting it at, into the Zenefits opportunity. And Zenefits is a benefits HR payroll integrated software. So small businesses who need to take care of 
their back office um, will use a company like Zenefits. And we, at the time when I joined in 2014, were sort of between 100 and 150 employees, had a really successful, fast growth trajectory, and the company would grow another. We were 1,500 people within a year of when I joined. Wow. Um, and so I was there for that really fast-paced growth. And I learned a tremendous amount about everything related to building a company and teams and product and the benefits industry. But um, that was a really important kind of transition point in my career to get into the technology side of things and, and really understand what that was all about. So, Jim, you, you mentioned about uh, you know breaking into tech. And what was that like? What are the, some of the takeaways now from this is, you know, seven or eight years ago uh, by now? What are you kind of reflecting on that? What was, what was that like? And what advice would you give people maybe in a, in a similar spot to where you were? I had a really tough time communicating to the startups what I could do for them. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason that I had a hard time communicating it is because I didn't know what I could do for them. And having come out of a uh, phase of my life where it was, you know, applying to college, there's a very clear way that you do that. And after college, applying to jobs and people are very clear, well, we have these types of jobs open, you can apply and here's your resume and we have an interview process. Going into the startup world is just totally different. Um, The types of roles are different. And so you could, what I, what I think I experienced was in theory, I could have done any one of these jobs except for you know being an engineer because I didn't have the technical skills to do that. But I could have joined a marketing team. I could have joined a sales team. I could have joined an operations team. But I didn't, I didn't really know what it meant to, to do those roles at a tech company. And because I didn't know what they needed from me, when I kind of went to them and said, I can do anything. You just need to tell me what you want. From the other side, you know, it's not very helpful. So no. they're sort of like, yeah, but do you know how to do SEO? Do you even know what that is? And of course, the answer is no. So I think something I, um, when I talk to people who are trying to make that same transition, it's really try to understand what the job is and what it looks like to do that job. And then translate your skills into, um, you know, hey, I can do well in a marketing role because I know how to do quantitative analysis really well. And so when we're evaluating different channels and how marketing campaigns are doing, I can help with that. Um, being able to communicate that really clearly to the company you're meeting with, especially if they're growing an early stage company that's growing really quickly, that will help make things a lot easier. Got it. So eventually you got around to co-founding Noyo, and I was gonna, I am gonna ask you what it's about. I'm saying based on your experience with the hot dogs and the cafe, it makes me think it was like originally gonna be some sort of a froyo, and you decided not to do that. But what's what's Noyo? Noyo is what we call it network infrastructure for benefits. Basically what this means is we are the technology layer that makes it possible for any company in the benefits ecosystem to work with each other, to communicate with each other, to share data with each other safely, compliantly, securely, and importantly at scale. This came directly out of my experience uh, at Zenefits. So at, at Zenefits, I started on an operations team and um, and I ended up as a product manager and I was responsible for building out our insurance products. So this is for Zenefits and, you know, an HRAS platform. Our customers would sign up for insurance and benefits through our, our um, through our software. And so I was responsible for thinking about how did they do everything from shopping 
for for plans. So at the you know once a year when the company HR administrator is choosing the benefits package, we would help them and benefits employed brokers at the time. Uh, understand what plans were available to them to choose from, think through the trade-offs, make a choice, and then ultimately get that policy set up with the insurance company. And then once the company had done that, all of their employees would get the chance to log in and see their options. Maybe there were three medical plans to choose from and make their decisions and again, enroll in coverage. Uh, I think that this is one of the, this every company goes through this, um, benefits decision-making, benefits um, selection. And we were really excited because we were able to build these product experiences that our customers loved. And they'd been used to doing this on paper for so long. It was very refreshing, I think, and exciting to do it online in a way that was once you picked your benefits, you know, your payroll would be updated and no one had to do the, the paperwork shuffle behind the scenes. The challenging part, of course, for us was between Zenefits and the insurance companies. We needed to establish relationships with all of those insurance companies. We needed to know what plans they were offering and what the prices were. We needed to know what the details of those plans were so that we could help our customers understand that. And then when they did sign up and buy a plan, we had to get them enrolled with the insurance company. And of course, as a tech company, we were ready to go with software engineers to build whatever we needed to do to send this data around the challenge we ran into was the insurance companies, they just weren't ready yet. They were new to the concept of APIs. And so we were often meeting with insurance companies who said, hey, look, really, you just need to email us these, this paperwork, or you just need to send us uh, a file, um, you know, a coded file once a week. And we could do that, but it was very challenging to scale efficiently. And it yeah. really limited our ability to provide the data transparency to our users that we really wanted to create. And so Noyo actually came out of that. I was looking around as a product manager saying, hey, my, my friends at other companies get to use Stripe and they get to use Plaid and they get to yeah. use Twilio to build their product and let those guys take care of the, the you know, gnarly backend infrastructure and just make it all hum smoothly. Nothing like that existed in the benefit space. And so that's what we created Noyo to be. Got it. Now, benefits is a bit of a backwater, and I think some of it is just maybe the type of people that are employed by those big uh, insurers and may also just literally be that they are still on, you know, literally the mainframe computers. So API is not necessarily something that comes rolling off their tongues like SEO didn't when you were, uh, you know, starting up at uh, at Zenefits. So maybe maybe that's the case. You know, is the market actually developing or is it, you know, is it moving quickly now or is it we still in sort of the early phase where you're educating people and saying, hey, that's a problem. I hope we can fix it. The pace accelerates every year. It's actually really, really cool to see. So back from our time at Zenefits, we would approach the insurance companies that we worked with and say, hey, we would love to co-develop an API with you. And we would we would love to give you engineering resources from from our team to help you think through what it might look like. And at the time, 2014, 2015, you know, the, the response was often like, I don't really know what that is, or we're not ready. And of course, a massive insurance companies making a change like that is a huge investment. It's going to take time because they've been built on these certain type of systems for a long time. Over the last few years, a couple of things have changed. One is there's more software than ever before 
on the benefits administration side, on the HR side. So there, there aren't just Zenefits and, and Gusto and a couple of others kind of right. advocating for this. There's a whole chorus of companies saying to the insurance carriers, hey, we really want to be able to do this more efficiently with you. And it's going to be great for all of our shared customers. So I think there's been more, more kind of pressure on that side. And just as more people are working on it, there's more opportunities to learn and to educate. And I think the there's a combination of technology can help you scale more efficiently. It can help mm-hmm. you grow as an insurance company. It makes your customers happier and it reduces the operational cost. And so at the board level at these insurance companies, we're seeing more dedicated investment in it as well. It is still early days. Um, most yeah. insurance companies haven't been able to release APIs. And also, I think there's a misconception sometimes that you can just build an API and you're done. But yeah. but an API is, is a way for different systems to communicate with each other. And so different systems have, or different um, different types of information you're trying to, to trade or, or the when you're trying to trade that, an API for enrolling someone in coverage is completely different than for quoting mm-hmm. a plan. It's completely different than renewing a policy. It's completely different than checking on someone's status. And so the scope is really broad. One of the things that we try to do with our customers and our insurance partners is help them prioritize where to start, what's going to make right. the most impact, and, and how can we actually get some traction here. Now, Shannon, I noticed in looking at your site, you've got your solutions divided into three main categories, and maybe they line up a little bit with what you just described as some of the, the varying challenges. But there's the NoYo 360, there's verification solutions, and there's enrollment. Are those three distinct things, or you know, how, how do you think about the portfolio of solutions? Yeah, NoYo's focus is on everything from everything in the policy administration suite for group benefits. So okay. we don't touch Medicare, Medicaid, we don't touch individual insurance, we're focused on the um, on benefits for, for employers. And so insurance is a big part of that. Uh, over time, that will include everything from 401k and commuter benefits and HSA and every, all the new kind of benefits that are, um, and there's a lot of really exciting things coming on the market here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you think about the policy administration suite, meaning from the time someone says, hey, I want to offer this plan to my team, you've got to get that policy set up at the insurance company. So it has to be sort of decided and chosen by a, uh, an employer. And then the insurance company needs to know that they've chosen that and create that record in their system and set up that policy so it's in, in force, as, as they say. Then you need to be able to enroll all of your team. So the member level enrollment, which is new hires, but also anytime somebody moves, somebody has a baby, somebody changes their last name, all of those updates need to go back and forth. And that's a really important uh, area of focus. And then there's renewal. So at the end of the year, you need to renew that policy. And there's a lot of things in between that need to happen. But the way that we look at this is we're trying to solve the data gap in the benefits space very difficult for a person, forget about the brokers, the employers, the insurance company, very difficult for me or you to know what we're covered for. Is it active? Can we go to that doctor, that dentist and feel confident that we're not going to get a big bill in the mail later yeah. or, you know, I stubbed my toe and I asked somebody about it and then they sent me a bill for $400. Yeah. Um, so what we're trying to do is really focus on at the, at the core, solving that benefits data problem with 
technology rather than just with services and people. You know, the stub toe in San Francisco is $400, is $1,200 in Boston. So just uh, <laughs> you might want to be, be careful where you're stepping uh, when you come for a visit. You know, I noticed in some of your marketing materials, you talked also about alternatives to traditional insurance. I'm, I'm not sure what you had in mind um, by that, but is that is that an area that you're seeking to encompass as well with Noyo? Yeah, I think this is a really exciting um, thing that's developing pretty quickly, actually. So traditional insurance, I would think of as your medical, dental, vision, life insurance plans, supplemental policies. <clears throat> but what we're seeing is there's a whole bunch of carriers who are starting up who are trying to think about new types of policies. You know, you've got policies that focus specifically on fertility benefits, fertility coverage, family planning, and you've got um, people who are getting creative around what supplemental or umbrella insurance looks like to cover people in 2022. Needs are a little bit different than people in 1970 when a lot of these policies were kind of first crafted. So it's right. updating those policies. What does the plan include? What does it cover? Do we want people to actually use it? Um, and I think that's really exciting um, because those companies have an opportunity to get really targeted with the types of employers, the types of um, users that they're going after. The thing about benefits that I think is so, you know, insurance is, is uh, unless you've been bitten by the bug, like we both have many people in this country, you know, shockingly might not think it's the most interesting yeah. thing in the world. But really benefits is a financial instrument and it's designed to give you coverage when you need it. And some of that coverage is around access to health care and some of that coverage is around thinking about your retirement planning. Some of it's around your family planning. And so I think there's a real um, opportunity for people to, if they feel more confident in their benefits and they know what's included, they're going to use it more, which means they're going to live a fuller life, live a healthier life. Um, and really get the protection that they need. I think the frustration a lot of times in benefits and insurance is feel like the price is going up every year and my coverage is going down. Yeah. And I'm so scared of that that I don't want to use it. And so what's the point of even having that? And it can be a really comforting, protective force in people's life. And we want to we want to make that easier. You know, some of the elements of what you're describing um sound like very useful. And at the same time, if I'm an insurer and I finally get into developing something, it's not necessarily I want to do this a hundred times. And so is the nature of the market, I mean, are there many no-yos around or is there room for, for a lot or is it more of a kind of a unified winner-take-all type of a market, do you think? And it may vary by solution, I don't know, but it seems like it has some elements where I don't know why you would need 10 companies doing something similar. Yeah, I think about when I was at Zenefits and our friends at Gusto and Rippling and other companies where ideally you can have one thing that you use that has the solutions that meet your your use case. And so yeah. what what we're just always focused on is let's build the the network of insurance companies and benefits providers that are relevant to the people that we serve. Yeah. And let's make sure that the products are are in a place where they're getting not just what they might get from doing it the old way, but they have one place to do it, that we're unlocking new possibilities for them. Uh -huh. Some of the things that I get most excited about is when our customers say, hey, because Noyo gives us this certain data that we've never had access to before, we can actually create a new customer experience where as soon as their coverage is active, we can send them an email and, and tell them, hey, you're good to go. Yeah. Go to the doctor. Even if your medical card hasn't arrived in the mail yet, like you're good. And that is really cool and exciting. So what we focus on is, Let's make sure we understand the types of companies that we're trying to serve, the problems that we're trying to solve, and we're just focused on building the, the best software product we can.
It sounds good. Now, I want to ask you a final question, just changing the subject on reading, and that is whether you ever have a chance to uh, read any books and if there's anything you would recommend or anything you recommend we, any, that we avoid. Uh, you know, one of my, I, I like to read, um, essays. I like to read sort of, uh, day in the life is not quite the right term for it, but I like people describing the world around them through their eyes. One of my favorite essays is called here is New York, um, by E.B. White, uh, who is famous for children's books, but also wrote a, a lot of, um, writing for, for adults, both beautiful essay, sort of called his love letter to New York City. And there's a San Francisco um, uh, author as well who wrote a book called Cool Gray City of Love, which is sort of vignettes of San Francisco and, and explaining the history of that. And I love that book. It's beautiful writing. It's a really great way to walk around the city and kind of have more con- you know, more texture around what I'm seeing and uh, and learn some of the history as well. And it's also kind of essay format, so I can I can pick it up whenever I'm in the mood for for a little bit of that. No, that sounds good. Well, Shannon Goggin, co-founder and CEO of NoYo, thank you very much for your participation today on the Health Biz Podcast. Thanks for having me. This was a fun conversation. You've been listening to the Health Biz Podcast with me, David Williams, president of Health Business Group. I conduct in-depth interviews with leaders in healthcare business and policy. If you like what you hear, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite service. While you're at it, go ahead and subscribe on your second and third favorite services as well. There's more good stuff to come, and you won't want to miss an episode. If your organization is seeking strategy consulting services in healthcare, check out our website, healthbusinessgroup.com.